Hi, I'm Randy Weddle. I'm your host for Creation Anew. I pastor two churches in Indiana, Community Church of Mooresville, located in Mooresville, Indiana, and I also pastor Mount Pleasant Christian Church, located in the great town of Hall, Indiana. And this podcast is designed to challenge both believers in Jesus Christ and those who don't believe. I want to challenge believers to grow in their faith. And I want to challenge non-believers to take a serious look at the Bible. Are you ready? Let's get started. Well, hello again, everybody. Randy Weddle here with Creation Anew. I'm so glad that you're with me today. Uh, What are we talking about today? Well, today is uh, a Sunday while I'm recording this, uh, this episode. And um, that means that we are going through the book of Revelation, and uh, we're going through a week, uh, one day a week, and so you may think, oh boy, it's going to take forever to get through this book. But you know what? We are in chapter 4 already, so we're moving right ahead. There are only 22 chapters in this book, so we're about a fifth of the way through, so it won't take very long to go through this. And by the way, even if it takes uh, more than a year, who cares, right? Yeah, what, what, else, what else are we doing? huh? So, uh, let's go into chapter 4 of Revelation. Now, we had just finished Jesus speaking to seven pastors of seven churches located in Asia, modern-day Turkey. And we now make a shift in gears. We are going to a different scene altogether. Are you ready to go to heaven? Well, here we go. Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 4. Now, let's let's kind of break things down because what I usually do is I usually read the whole um, the whole passage, but what I'd like to do is maybe just little, do things a little differently this time and uh, let's let's see how it works out. First of all, John tells us that there is a call to heaven. Let me read Revelation 4, verse 1. After these things, now these things would be the events with the seven pastors of the seven churches. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet, speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must must take place after these things. So John gets a call to go to heaven, and the voice that he hears is familiar. If you go back to Revelation 1.10, John hears a voice like the sound of a trumpet, and he says in verse 1, hey, the, the first voice that I heard, like meaning that he heard before, like the sound of a trumpet. Well, we find that in chapter 1 of Revelation, verse 10. And that voice says to him, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. So, after these things, meaning after the seven churches. Now let's drop down to verse 2, and let's read a little bit further. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting 
on the throne. Now, what John sees when he goes into heaven is he sees God himself sitting on the throne. And it says that uh, in verse 2, that immediately I was in the Spirit. Now this is the same thing that we saw again in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. And it means that John was somehow captivated by the Holy Spirit. That, that he was driven, if you will. Um, I personally think, if you ever wondered what inspiration, meaning, meaning the inspiration of the scriptures, would be like, I think that we're seeing it here. Now, what in the world is inspiration of the, of the scriptures? Well, the inspiration of the scriptures means that they are the breath of God, that that is God's writing, and that God used men and, and drove men, if you will. I don't want to say, I don't mean drive as far as like, you know, a whip and things like that. He used men to write what he wanted written. And we call it inspiration. In other words, we say that the Bible is inspired. Well, the way that God uses the, the writers of, of the Old and New Testaments is the same way in which you could think of an ink pen. We say that the, the ink pen is writing a note, but really it's the hand of whoever's writing it. And the ink pen has different qualities to it. Some you may have ink gel, others may be ballpoint, others may be fine point or, you know, a wide point, um, all kinds of different pens. Well, in the same way, God uses men to write the Bible. And they had different writing styles. And it was as if God picked up these men and started using them like a writing instrument. Now, that may be a little poor illustration, but it gives you a sense of inspiration. And I think that may be what John is talking about right here whenever he says, I was in the Spirit. He was, he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and he says that there was one standing, or there was stand, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on that throne. Well, obviously that one is God. Verse 3 says, And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Now, when you think of jasper stones and sardius, you think of beautiful things. And that's exactly what God is. He's beautiful. Now, I don't know if God, I don't think John is saying here that God looks like a stone or that, you know, that, uh, that he uh, even particularly looks like a jasper stone or a sardius stone. Those colors may have been in his vision of God. But I think what John is pointing us to here is the absolute stunning beauty of God. He says he also sees an emerald rainbow 
which in Genesis 9.13, remember the rainbow, after the flood, signified a covenant that God had. And Genesis 9.13 says, I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. Well, how appropriate is it to see a rainbow around the throne of God? Now, the, the idea here is, it sounds as though this rainbow might have been more um, horizontal than vertical. Now, I, I can't say for certain, but it kind of seems like that. And that's okay. And it may have been that the rainbow had other colors, but what John saw was mainly green. He said it was emerald in appearance, or maybe it was an emerald uh, rainbow. That's fine. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about God. God can do whatever he wants. So I hope that you're starting to capture the beauty of heaven and of God. And... and the absolute stunningness. I mean, there are no words to really to really signify this. John goes on in verse 4, and he says, And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. Now these twenty-four elders... They were wearing white clothes and golden crowns, and that signifies a struggle. A struggle and a victory over something. Well, the struggle and victory would be over sin and death. Th these are representatives of the church. So in verse 4, we see the church presence represented by these 24 elders. And that tells us something. It tells us that the rapture of the church has taken place. Now some people will say whenever John writes um, in, let me get over there, <clears throat> in, in verse 1, where this voice that was speaking to him before and speaks to him again, come up here and I will show you what must take place. Some people interpret that come up here as the rapture of the church. I'm not willing to go that far, but it looks like the church has been taken by the time John gets up into heaven. Or it may have been simultaneous too. We just don't know. We're not quite sure. But around the throne are 24 thrones, and on those 24 thrones sit 24 elders representing the church. They have won over death and hell. They have golden crowns on their head. Verse 5 says, Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. Now, these, these, um, let me go back there. These flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, they're representative of judgment. It's kind of an ominous type of thing. God is an angry judge. 
We know that from Exodus 19.16. And also, from and around the throne, John says that there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, and that these lamps of fire are the seven spirits of God. Now, we talked about this a little bit before in Revelation 1.4. There aren't seven spirits of God, but it, seven represents completion or fullness. In other words, the whole spirit of God was right here. And then he says also there was something like a, like a sea of glass, like crystal. And I don't know uh, exactly everything that this represents, but there is a splendor to it. And it seems like this might be the floor of heaven. Could you imagine the floor of heaven being crystal clear? That would uh, that'd be kind of cool. Very cool. Exodus 24.10 says, And they saw the God of Israel, and under his feet were, there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. This sounds like the exact same thing. So we're seeing a magnificence and a beauty and a wonder here. But within that wonder and that beauty, God is also an angry judge, and difficult times are coming. Now, as we move on into to verse 6, it says, And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Now these four living creatures we find in verse 6 are cherubim and seraphim. Now these are these are different creatures. <laughs> they, they are not the cherubs that you're thinking of. Now we find them in Psalm 80, verse 1. We, we find them in Psalm 99, verse 1. In Ezekiel 1, 4 through 25. In Ezekiel 10, 1 through 22. And Isaiah 6, 1 through 13. Ezekiel 10.1 says this, Then I looked, and behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone, in appearance resembling a throne, appeared above them. Ezekiel 1.5 says, Within it there were figures resembling four living beings, and this was their appearance. They had human form. In Ezekiel 1.10 we hear this, As for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man, all four had the face of a lion, on the right and on the face, and the face of a bull on the left, and all four had the face of an eagle. These sound like the same creatures. Guys, these are, these are called seraphim and cherubim. And there's also a representation of creation with these creatures. Now, if you look over in Romans 8, verses 19 through 24, you'll read a section of scripture that actually talks about the creation that was, that was kind of, that was brought down and, and enslaved, if you will, at the fall of man. That creation itself awaits for God to reset everything.
for the, the, the appearance of the sons of God. Creation groans and moans. Well, we see that representation of, of creation right here, these four living creatures. And there's nothing like, like these creatures. I mean, they've got eyes all around, they've got wings, they've got uh, faces. In verse 7 of our text, John says, The first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. It's a representation of all of the creation. Verse 8 says, In the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. So these creatures are praising God. We see, we see the creation here praising God. And as we go on, let's read further. Verse 9. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before him, verse 10 says. They will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. That's verses 10 and 11. Now what are we seeing here? We are seeing the whole creation give glory to God. What do we take away from this? Well, number one, God reigns forever. As we peer into heaven, we need to understand that God reigns forever. He is over everything. And He reigns gloriously in beauty. He reigns over all creation. And He is going to be praised forever. Why? Because he's God. He deserves it. Now, how we can deal with this today, what, what, how should we respond to this? Well, this is somewhat of a difficult thing for me because sometimes I forget that there's an eternity. Have you ever done that? I forget that God is on his throne sometimes and that he's in control and that he reigns in beauty and all of creation will submit to him someday. And I just need to remember that this life is not the end. There's more. Romans 8, 18 Romans 8, verses 18 down to 23 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected 
to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. Let me read that again. Verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Verse 23, And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. You see, if we can remember that this life is not the only one, but there's something else coming, it's okay to look forward to that next life, to groan for that life. When I was a little uh, kid, I used to go on trips with my parents, and of course I said the, you know, the thing that every kid says on a trip, are we there yet? I remember we went to Disney World, not long after it had opened up, and I was just a kid. And I was so excited, and the trip was so long, and I would groan, Ugh, when are we going to get there? It's okay to do that here on earth. Don't look at this life and say, this is it. There's more. There's an eternity waiting for us. And it's not only us that groan, but eternity, or excuse me, the, the, the creation itself groans for this reset of God. I'm hearing rumors of a great reset here on earth by human beings, and it's, it may happen. It will probably have really bad things come along with it. But you know what? There's another reset coming beyond what man can comprehend. And it is a reset that's going to be done by God where he judges this world. And those that belong to him are going to be saved and preserved and in comfort forever. And the creation that groans is someday going to be remade. What about you? Do you just see this life is this all that you can, can see? Pain, suffering? I'm going to encourage you to, to start looking further down the road. Further down the road with, with eyes that can, that can see into, the, into uh, to eternity. If you have believed in Jesus, you have every reason to look forward to eternity. And if you have not believed in Jesus, I encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord, just asking Him for mercy and forgiveness from your sins. And then you too can start looking for more than just what's in this life. 
there's going to be a day when all of creation is going to be praising God. And we're seeing a glimpse of that right here. Well, guys, that's all I have for you today. I really appreciate you joining me. And uh, we will plan to pick up Revelation again in, uh, in about seven days. How's that sound? <laughs> Just know that I appreciate you guys. Um, and uh, if you ever want to contact me, you're welcome to do that. Randy at creationanew.com is my email address. If you'd like to support Creation Anew, you can do that. There is a, a, a place on uh, the internet that you can support, and it is anchor.fm backslash creation dash anew. You can see the different platforms that we're on with podcasting, you can also uh, message us, you can listen to the podcasts, and you can also support us. Now, I'm asking first of all that you would support with prayer. Uh, I, God's help is much more valuable than anything anybody else can do. But if you want to continue to support us on whatever platform, and we're on eight platforms right now, just tell others about this podcast. Have them join in with us. Have them subscribe. I ask that you would subscribe to the podcast and we'll grow organically. If you want to support monetarily, which you can do at anchor.fm backslash creation dash anew. If you want to support this ministry monetarily, I have a ground rule. I ask that you make sure that you support your family and your local church before you support this ministry. Well, guys, that's all I have. I'm so glad that we had some time together. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.